Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's going on, Rob? Nothing. Hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Um, excited to be with you for our last show of the longest calendar year of this project ever and most people's lives. Um I'm really excited, Rob, that the next time we talk will be in 2021. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, and we'll be we will have see, we may have seen men's and women's teams play CAA games by then, so we'll see. Um, but we are really excited tonight. We wanted to say thank you to everyone who enjoyed the all overtime sort of Thanksgiving ish episode last time out. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We appreciate everyone's suggestions. We're doing a lot more of that tonight, although we do have some actual sports content first. Um, so happy Festivus to everyone. And our big news tonight is we are joined by our guest and our friend, um, Rich Priz. Rich, we talk about you. We mention your name in passing as if everyone knows all the time on the show. Um, but we've been wanting to have you on for a while. Rich is one of our season fellow season ticket. He's in our little crew um, that goes to games. But we don't get to talk all the time because we're old men and that's how it goes. <laughs> so welcome, Rich. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, guys. I do enjoy the guest uh, appearances that I don't actually have to talk on. Those are those are the best. Okay. Yes. So, we're, so we've been talking about Rich having Rich on forever. Um, Rich knows he's an economist. He's super smart. He's like one of our smartest friends. Um he works at a very smart place. He does all this cool stuff, but he also wrote a bunch of stuff back in when you were getting your PhD about stadiums and the economics of athletics and stuff that someday we will cover. We're not going deep into that tonight. <laughs> this would be a little more lighthearted. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But but um, we're excited to have Rich. He's also uh, just passionate, passionate sports fan. Rich, how many years did we um, meet up at the ill-begotten Bailey's to watch the yes, day that, off first I, day of March Madness every that year. Is, it still kills me that I can't do that. That, um, yeah, posting up at the bar and people would come for a game or two and leave. I think yeah. TD, you were usually there about 80%, but yes, uh, yes, yes. it was always oh. good. Always good when you have to change your bar tab because the bartender's leaving. There should be <laughs> yeah, you got to tip them out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, well, on the basketball side, we'll start there. Uh, the men's team is back from a COVID pause. They came back with, I think, what can only be described, Rob, as an expected sloppy performance um, at ECU. They threw the ball all over the gym, turned it over a bunch of times, lost. They had not been playing organized team activities in quite a, in a few weeks. So I, I, I don't, you know. I don't have anything to say about that game unless you do. Um, and the same thing goes for the win over something called Alice Lloyd College, which I understand is from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, but I did not know that was a thing until this until it showed up on the schedule this week. Um, I guess the exciting news here, um, although it's for a bittersweet reason, is that the men are taking on tomorrow. We are recording this Monday night. And tomorrow, Tuesday, when most of you listen to this, at 4 p.m., JMU will be at VCU in Richmond. Um, I think the game is on flow, so you can watch it. Uh, kind of exciting matchup. You know, neither team expected to be world beaters this year, but exciting to see them fill. Uh, this was going to be the at the trip to Gainesville to play uh, Florida. And so the reason this game is is not a COVID pause, this is the, well, we don't know that for sure. But Keontae. Pause. Right. Keontae Thompson, uh, Thompson from Florida is the player who collapsed on the court against Florida State a couple weeks ago. 
and the Florida program has decided to take a break um, while they hope that he's re- it's, the news has been pretty good in the last 48 hours or so. Um, the family's put out a statement seems to be doing better, but that he is, spoke. I don't really saw he, yeah. he released a Twitter video. So he's, he's out of the hospital. Man, scary, yeah. scary situation. I watched that video and I really wish I had not like it was, Oh, I just, Oh, it's just so scary. Um, and, and I mentioned that cause anyways, we don't need to get into the medical situation of the Gators, but Jamie will be at VCU tomorrow. Rob, anything in particular you're interested in seeing before they, they're going to take about a week and a half off before they go to Towson on the 3rd of January. That's the Sunday, the very end of the holiday break for most of us. I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they continue to gel. This has been a very difficult year every year until JMU reaches the point where it really is in contention for something beyond just playing for the, the CA's auto bid. I don't really worry that much about the out of conference schedule other than can they get kind of into game shape and start to gel so that they're hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. this year. It's, it's even taking a step back from that because this is what their third restart you know, they've had, they had yeah, yeah, yeah. pause and another pause. And it's, it's like, I just want to see him get some minutes. Like guys consistently getting minutes, guys learning to play together. Um, you still have situations like Shane Metlin's been doing an excellent job covering the team. Like he's good every year, mm-hmm. but he's really good in this situation with, with a new coach and the COVID situation and everything. You know, but he it's a- interesting the, the you know, you talk about new new guys and everybody that are trying to get in on, on the same page. It, it is interesting to play a couple games take a week or two off. Like, it's almost like, okay, what went wrong in those games? Like it's yeah. kind of an interesting way to really gel. And, and, you know, I, I look at this VCU game. I know we've talked about it a lot is, is like, there's, they're a team that I always thought we could kind of strive to, right? Like very competitive in, in a good league, you know, make a couple of, of appearances, you know, um, in a, in a decade. Um, and, and I always look to VCU as that kind of benchmark. I know this year they're, they're down as we are, but, um, it's still an important game to me. Yeah. It's important, but it's just important for different reasons. Like you said, I mean, they're down. They're, they're better than maybe predicted so far. Have you seen VCU play? They've got a couple wins. They're predicted to finish like ninth in the A-10. So normally I would really be treating this as a measuring stick or an opportunity to kind of start getting towards that level and that goal that you're talking about, Rich. But this time, I just want to see him play. I think it's really important. I like this the Alice Cooper, whoever they played last night. Yeah. I, I don't really care who they played, but I thought it was really smart to schedule the back-to-back. They need to get their legs under, particularly this year when you're going to have those back-to-backs in CAA play. And then sort of follow it up with another game. It's just great because what I was trying to say before is Byington mentioned that Christmas still needs to play itself into shape. You know, due to COVID, yeah. he was shut down, injury. So you, you've got guys that really are kind of still like in preseason shape. Then you've got guys playing new positions or trying to learn new offense. So they just need minutes. So like, I'm excited that they're going to play. I'm excited that regardless of kind of the predictions or the records or anything, everything you said about VCU is true, Rich. They're kind of the, the, a premier program and, and should be the goal. You know, that's a relatively small school that came out of nowhere 11, 12 years ago. And, and now is kind of reaching the point where they're, they're kind of a perennial NCAA tournament team. Yeah, and, yeah and it, you know, they're no longer like they're not thinking like, how can we get a bid for them? I think the expectation is probably like Sweet 16. And, yeah. and whereas JMU, it's like, can we just get in the tournament? So it's also yeah. cool. This is the first time that they've played since 2012 um, when they were in the league. So I think it goes back to like the Denzel Bowles days. Oh, Jesus. Them. 
Yeah, and I think Jamie won. I think Jamie won the, the year that VCU the won last to the game. Yep. Jamie yep. won the regular season finale. Yeah, if if there was if there's a, a a spin on this too, this the whole situation that you know my as as we know, I think from the teams you're talking about VCU, if you go back to George Mason, it's teams that got to play together for a long time that really do well for conferences like yeah. like the CA, and so you know again getting these games in again whoever it is from whatever Commonwealth we want to play, um, it'd be really cool if. We play a bunch of games this year, and then the NCAA goes, everybody's got another year of eligibility. We get yeah. this whole team in for a couple of straight years. You know, I mean, probably not going to happen, but who knows? Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing about VCU, I mean, I not to, I don't mean to shower praise on the Rams, but, you know, we you mentioned Mason. Mason and Old Dominion have had their moments in the last 20 years, but they have fallen off cliffs. I mean, they, they have not been sustained. They it has not been sustainable. And VCU is the one that had their big moment, but has, they've been relevant since that run through multiple. In, right. I, yeah. Like they've been relevant for 10 years now. Um, yeah. Through good coach, really shady coach, another coach. Right. Yeah. Like they, but they've been um, a nationally, you know, one of those teams in the a 10 that you think about um, Mason and old dominion have, kind of become afterthoughts uh, regardless of what league they're playing, what sport in. So well, I, I think VCU was able to seize their, their advancement to the final four and really leverage it to build a program. Mason was, it was one and done. I mean, yeah, it, they didn't know it. Larry Nagel yeah, was... to get the Miami job and then no, they were a Richmond football. was a disaster. Yeah. Um, and now already there's, there's rumblings that Paulson's on the hot seat. I mean, they were losing to VMI at halftime today. Um, and that's a school where all of their eggs, like VCU, all of their eggs are in basketball. They don't have football as a distraction. So they made yeah, that's, a, that's what I was going to say. Is that, that I think is a big thing is like school like that, they've got to be able, you know, like, again, VCU, you're in a city. I think as we've talked about, it's easier to draw people to games during the week, things like that. You can kind of build that thing. Mason has that. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the distraction of football. And and like I said, they let let Jimmy Larinaga go and and that was it, you know. Um. <laughs> but anyway, back to JMU. Like, I, to I, I, I do think it is kind of just like getting the reps, seeing it. There were shades of last year's team where it was like, hey, let's just let Matt Lewis save us. Um, they got to get out of that. There's uh, there's plenty to like about Strickland. Um, mm-hmm. I think Christmas has some potential. The fact that he had two threes yesterday, you know, regardless who the competition is, if a guy like Christmas can extend his his range and start trimming the outside, that's going to help. So. At this point, it's just get as many minutes as possible and try to figure out who your starting five is. And hopefully, Byington can get some idea of, of what his rotation is going to be before we get into CAA play. Yeah. And I just hope they can just, you know, get through this game and then just do the best they can to everybody be, you know, healthy and happy and ready to play on January 3rd when they go to Towson. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all that you can ask for this year. And, and this team more than anything needs to be ready to play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on the women's side, I don't think we learned anything this week uh, or in the last couple of weeks since we talked, Rob, uh, you know, we talked after they had beaten UVA that seemed like a big win. They followed it up. They beaten Mason, they beat GW. Then they turned around and got boat raced twice. Although I don't think in either case, unexpectedly in Morgantown and against Maryland. So one of, and the, you know, one or both of those games was scheduled kind of last minute. So I don't think that says anything. I don't know anything about the women's team yet. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we know who the good players are and we know they have a chance in the CAA. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I'm not throwing in the towel because they lost to two top 15 teams. Um, but I also I, I, don't, I just they also play Towson on Sunday, the third. Uh, the men's game starts at 1 p.m. and the women's game starts at 2 p.m. Uh, that one's the women are at in at in Harrisonburg. So and both teams, I think, are the first of a back to back against Towson. So that'll be kind of an interesting Sunday to follow up, finish up the holiday weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that women's team, I think, has earned earned some respect, even even with the the losses, like you say, TV. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, I think. You guys have had him on. Coach O is a good coach. I mean, he knows what he's doing. So mm-hmm. you got to yep. you got to give him some some slack, especially like you say the the games that are scheduled last minute. Yeah, and I, I'm, I I'm talking a lot of this up to youth, and I understand yeah. Maryland's got some. Maryland's got a sophomore that went to Paul Six, right? And she's she's an absolute stud. But there is the, the women's game. These blowouts are not as rare as the men's game. Um, I don't know why that is, but she's looking at a UConn score or anything. I, I didn't expect these forty-point deficits, mm-hmm. but it's not incredibly discouraging. I'm not. I'm not ready to like oh pull up stakes. In some cases, it's like every team's going to have one or two stinkers. It's almost better you have them. You know, it, it, there's an argument made that it's better to get your doors blown off uh-huh. and really be humbled than to play them close and lose by 12, but not really be competitive and have like false confidence for a young team's perspective, like from a coaching perspective. I don't know. Coach O was pissed after the game. He had some yeah. pretty harsh things. And you can kind of try to maybe shape it that way, or that's what I'm doing. Like <laughs> hey, it's better just to get really humbled and use it as a motivator than to have a moral victory and start reading your own press clippings sort of situation when it's a young team. So. Yeah. And he talked to us before the season. I mean, he said he, you know, we know his philosophy. He wants to let the kids play mm-hmm. and he wants to let them run. And they tried to run <laughs> and they gave up 90 points apiece to, yeah. to, you know, really good teams. And maybe they need to think about the other end of the floor a, a little more <laughs> and not, not just the, the offensive end. Uh, and I'm sure that, that will be his. They also have a, they have an even longer break before they don't play at all from now until the Towson game on the third. So needless to say, I'm sure they're running a good bit in the, in the new gym yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that'll be fun that both teams uh, will have back-to-back games Sunday, Sunday, Tuesday, I believe uh, with Towson. So a lot of those games will be on TV. They, uh, you know, sort of overlap. So if you get a chance to sit down on that, if, if you're not <laughs> stuck on NFL or anything, um, those will be fun to watch. So that's about it for hoops. Um, the one thing we wanted to bring up tonight, and Rob, I'm glad you wanted to ask Rich about this too. We really wanted to get you guys' thoughts on uh, this. Is not you know we try to stay out of the FBS lane and generally you know stick to our JMU stuff. But I think some of the junk with the playoff and the FBS season this year uh, warranted at least letting Rob. Get air his grievances a little bit here at the time of Festivus. I, I, I do think there's a little bit of a JMU connection because uh, as badly as we've tried to avoid the topic on the podcast and really on the blog for about the past four or five years, well, um, it, the FBS consideration is always one that's hanging out there for most JMU fans. Should we go? Should we go? Should JMU make the leap? And the rumbling started to get really loud when you had Coastal you know, creeping up into the top 10 and, mm-hmm. you know, even Liberty getting up there. And then yesterday it was just like, 
it, it wasn't surprising at all. Anybody who was surprised that Cincinnati got left out and Coastal got left out and, you know, these other schools, you weren't paying attention. This whole thing is, it's just, it's fixed. And it's just such a scam. And I, the other topic that I've always wanted to avoid pretty much, even in just like my regular old life, I hate talking about paying the players. I'm like, I don't want to get in the debate. And I don't, whether like the philosophical reasons and the value of college sports or but when you see stuff like yesterday, where it so clearly is these decisions are being made with money at the forefront, it's got nothing to do with competition or declaring a champion. I just go right to the like, well, throw it all out and quit kidding yourselves and just pay the damn players. It's just, it's professional sports. It's got nothing to do with trying to achieve or play your way into it. You can't play your way into it if you're not from the P5. I mean, and it's I say P five because it's not just the elites. Obviously, Ohio State, the Big Ten's can do whatever they can do to change the rules to get them in there. That's ludicrous. But like even Iowa State got the benefit of the doubt because they're from the Big Twelve. Texas A and M. I watch Texas A and M. Texas A and M is not one of the top five teams in the country. It's just a joke. So like I, I don't really. I'm not going to quibble with the four they chose in mm-hmm. terms of like no. oh should have been th- like I, I think the Ohio State thing is crappy. I understand that people say, oh, it's the eye test. I watched Saturday's game. They didn't pass the eye test for me, but I understand, you know, that they, right, they right, have right. other moments. So it's just, it's garbage. Like, I, I would like to see Cincy, and I don't have a big beef with Coastal. I think Coastal's yeah, a good story. But the fact that they can't get into a New Year's Bowl, they're just playing Liberty. The whole thing is just such a scam. And And the thing that really gets me is how quickly so many people who I – respect and admire and think they're smart and good thinkers are like, well, clearly the, the solution to this is for the G5 to break away. That'll show them. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, to be honest. Like, th- it's not going to work. There's not money there. These They're making these decisions and putting the same four teams <coughs> in here because they generate the money. The television revenue, it, it's not like March Madness now. Hopefully it could get there, but they're not really looking for the underdogs. It's the big schools that draw and the Notre Dames and the Ohio States and Texas. But like, They're not going to break away. If they were to break away, I, I looked it up yesterday, and the G5 basically gets hush money from the P5 to be a part of this Barcelona system. Uh, I think it, it's literally something like $90 million per conference in the P5, to just, and then $60 million split against – split amongst the rest of the G5. Right. So like that's pretty much like shut up. And, and and like, yeah. They're not going to generate 60 million for to, to distribute for some crazy G5 playoff. They're just not. So they got to break their way into it. Um, I don't know how they do that. Like Herb Street, Herb Street going heel has been kind of interesting for me to watch. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a game day fan, but like it's the same way. Like I, I don't understand everybody's fascination with Jay Billis. I, I think Jay Billis is such a shill for the top teams. And I hate the way that he, he's like the new Billy Packer. You know, he wears cool sneakers and quotes little Wayne or something, but he, he pushes out that same garbage. I like about like, oh, I, guess, <laughs> I think he's more for like, he's so biased against mid majors. And like, whenever people are complaining about bids, Oh, who cares? He'll fight for like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a seven and nine Georgia tech team yeah. to get in and get seated over, <laughs> you know, an eight ten two. I just, I think it's annoying. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on 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 that all, Rob, all the way down to to Billis. But it's like, <clears throat> I think an argument I used to see a lot at Texas. Now the Big Twelve when I was there, they it was more up. Um, 
is is you know they would get crushed by the SEC teams, um, but they also you know when it came to rankings got hurt um, in a way that it, they shouldn't have been, and and I think it it speaks to it. it's like you know Notre Dame plays a tough schedule. Are they good this year? Who knows? I don't think this year is like such a weird year to start with, but it's like they play a tough schedule and so they should get rewarded um, from it um, or for it. And, and um, that sometimes means that they have one or two losses um, and can still beat the crap out of coastal Carolina. Um, You know, and I think when you say the G5 breaking away or the, the P5, like if the G5 broke away, like makes it easier, then you could have a, a six and five Oklahoma team face a seven and three Alabama team in the championship because they're just playing each other. Like yeah. get, get rid of Northwestern, get rid of, you know, all these like teams that are just there for, for checks, like yeah. get rid of them and then just, just have a super conference. And if the G five breaks away, they end up with a, a slightly better, you know, FCS system, which is, is where Jamie is now. And we're happy. I mean, I think it's fun having a playoff run and, and, and getting a few extra games at the end of the year. Well, I think that's where this is all going is it's, it's people can talk about the FCS being a level down and, or some people's, Oh, it's a third level. Cause there's G five P five. It's going to be the P five, just keeping their money and everybody else figuring out something that works. And then we go to this mythical regional conference and blah, 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 blah. But to me, that's not a terrible outcome for JMU. If you're no. playing with a bunch of like-minded peer institutions who take football as seriously as JMU takes football, that's great. And, and you know, I, I, was it Craig Haley yesterday made some comment on Twitter about like how every single FCS fan base would take FBS over FCS. And I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of JMU people, maybe the majority of JMU people who want FBS. But I think maybe not as as much now but no, it's not a couple of years true. ago it would have been like the right move can we pick and choose clearly everybody every fan base in the country even lower p5 would like their would switch places with alabama or clemson but would you switch places with troy if you're lehigh i, I don't know i doubt it right or, you know right. like I, I think they've got their niche there or i mean even jamie like a, certainly I would love to be in a conference with these peers like we talked about, but if it's just like, Oh no, you can go be in some random conference, you know, of leftovers with UMass and Liberty. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so I, I think that's, a, that was a bad blanket statement, but it's just the whole system is just such, it's just such a scam. And if they're going to go out and just make it purely about dollars, then go all the way and pay these damn players. Yeah. I mean, I, Go ahead, Rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I think, you know, all of this stuff is just, it, it's highlighted this year. It's like, you know, yes. the all yes. the teams that are undefeated, like, really? Like, you know, I mean, the schedules are so weird. You know, some schools are playing, some aren't. You know, Trevor Lawrence misses games yeah. with positive tests. It's all like, is anybody, is any team at the end of the year going to go, we were the best team this year? No, we were, the, we, we had the best record of the teams that played. I, you know, so it's like, I, I love that it's all here. It's obvious to people that it was always going to be Notre Dame. Um, uh, but, but there is like still this like thing, like, don't forget like this weird, this year is just so weird in a, in a normal year, they could have covered it better that it was just going to be Notre Dame the whole way. Well, ironically, and, and Ohio Notre Dame didn't bother me more than Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. actually, like you said, Notre Dame played a tough schedule. Um, Saturday night. It just, the thing that gets me about Saturday night wasn't that they lost. It's that the game even happened. 
like it's just a pure money grab. These conference, these conference championships mean even less than like the ACC basketball tournament nowadays. All you can do, right. all those things do, is steal bids. Like they're just such blatant money grabs. It's dumb. It's like the committee seems seems more. I was trying to to express myself yesterday and tell people like which matters less to the committee, like G five wins or P five losses, because they completely discounted both. They write their own rules. Ohio State plays, what, five games um, against a bunch of crappy competition. They looked terrible Saturday. But it was like, oh, no, they're an eye test, eye test. Like it's, that, that's one that bothered me. Notre Dame didn't bother me. They lost to a really good Clemson team. So they split They split the season series. Uh, so what? You can say, you know what? Neither one of those teams did anything to play themselves out of it. Ohio State, to me, hadn't done anything to prove they belonged before Saturday. And I thought they looked like garbage. Uh, you know, during- yeah, Rich. Ironically, Notre Dame was helped by playing a conference schedule this year. Yeah, um, <laughs> right? like, yeah, um, yeah. And and this that's the. I mean, I have two points, and now my second one is about JMU, and we'll get there. And that might actually be, I don't know, actual spot podcast speculation here. Um, but yeah, Rob, the thing that bothered me this year is at the end of this whole thing, I looked around at the records and the teams yesterday, last night, and I actually. This is awful, but I had to almost hand it to the SEC and the ACC for just being honest. Right. Yeah. Right. For just being like, we're, this is what we do. We play football. We pay coaches $8 billion yeah. and we don't give a crap and we don't care about the safety of our players or fans, but we're going to play this damn thing yeah. and we're going to call it what it is, right? We're, we're making money from Taco Bell and whoever yeah. <laughs> wants to sponsor this crap. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine. I mean, at least, yeah, the Ohio State thing. A, they shouldn't have been playing in the championship game under no. their own rules. And and actually, I wouldn't have cared if they had rescheduled that thing and had them play Iowa while Indiana, who was supposed to go under the weird COVID rules the Big Ten had set up, played Northwestern. I wouldn't have cared if they chose Ohio State for the playoff over the winner of Indiana. No, Northwestern. But why did they have to like scramble this all around? And now, of course, Ohio State... They had a the Big Ten had a 21 day COVID protocol, oh, but it's now magically 17, now it's 17 before the championship <laughs> game, right? So, like, I this it's just bullshit. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'd be happy if they just said we don't believe in COVID. You know, yes, like that's what I meant. The SEC, I had to actually be like, God, this is terrible to say, but like to their credit, they just played the damn schedule. And like you said, uh, they're they're. Uh, Oddly enough, of course, they're not playing out of conference games, only screwed the G5 teams more this year. Um, but it also, on the other side of it, as Rich was pointing out, I think, or about like Northwestern or Vanderbilt or whoever, like there's a lot of people getting fired because they were they didn't go five and six this year. Yeah. They went oh and seven. Yeah. Because they had to actually play, they didn't play JMU the first week of the season and you're West Virginia and that gets you to four wins and you're, you're on the up and up, right. Or whatever. Like you're not like, I mean, three games robbed eight teams of wins. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, so I, yeah, all that. And, and then back to your, the JMU point, um, I, I don't know who to, what to believe, who to believe we, you know, we all hear our things, but I, I, I guess the thing I would say is I, there is, there is absolute, fire not smoke there is fire right this is the i think i believe i whatever there the g5 or some portion of the g5 
and the upper level teams in FCS. I don't know how you define those. To me, it's maybe there's might be 10 of them um, are definitely talking about this this year, because if Cincinnati can't go to the playoff this year, if Coastal can't get a bid to and they lose bids to Iowa State and Oklahoma and Texas A&M or, you know, like third place teams in these conferences, what are we? Oregon is going to the playoff thing or the New Year's Six, and they weren't even supposed to be in the championship game. Yeah. I'm watching that had COVID, right? I mean, Abby, teams- Abby is Abby is my definition. Like you talk about BCU yes. and basketball. Abby yes. for me, this is it stinks, and people are yelling at us. Oh, we used to be same level, whatever. Appy to me is the model. They built a consistent winner, and they're yep. doing the thing. They got screwed this year. They had a bowl game today. Today against what, the Myrtle North, Beach Bowl. <laughs> I came home. The kids are watching, it, and they go. What did Appy do to deserve this? They're playing a team with a losing record. Um, yeah, I, it's just—it's a scam. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm sorry. This sort of yeah. jumping back to basketball for a second because I feel like yeah. I've talked to, to to Rob a little bit about it. But you, know, you talk about the teams figuring out schedules and like, you know, again, if you're Alabama and you you just play the big schools and the big teams and you go eight and two, like God love you. Sure. Like, yeah, I don't want you to play UAB or whatever. Nope. Mark Mark few at Gonzaga. He knows he has a team and he is calling everybody and playing anybody that will play him. I mean, that game that they played the other day against Iowa or whatever. Yeah. He he called him on like Thursday and was like, you guys want to play Saturday? You know what I mean? Like, I just, which is what Coastal and BYU did for each other this year. Yeah, so it, much respect to the game of the year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and it didn't help them one bit, right? BYU is going to play UCF in a mid-on-mid crime, and Coastal's going to play Liberty in a low-on-low crime. Right? Yeah, but that's, that'll do more for Coastal's recruiting than any bowl game would have. That's true. The fact that it was, you know, the big they got recognized for playing BYU. BYU's got its own little niche of recruiting. They're, sure, playing, sure, they're sure. Doing but Coastal, that was huge to get game day there to have it be a great game. Yeah, you know, um, it was fun. They, they've got a certain brand of football that was exposure that they kind of had it all to themselves that afternoon. You know, it was the weird like five o'clock time slot. So that'll be better than whatever crappy bowl game they're going to get. Yeah, you know? Rob. My big question, and this I don't know. I mean, you may want to take this, or this may just be a thought for the future is, you know, Rich brought up, I mean, one of the things with basketball is there, the 64 team tournament, everyone recognizes like two things, but that two things are true. One is that like it is slanted and the billises of the world are going to make sure that we get the eighth place ACC team in every year over the third place conference USA team. Right. I, I mean, that is true, but it is also true that George Mason and VCU have made the final four. That Butler, right? That Loyola made the Final Four. That Butler went to the national championship game two years in a row. And some of those programs, Butler, VCU, you know, Gonzaga, have spun that success into sustainable long-term plans. And if let's just say it this way, right? If the Power Five decided they're just playing a Power Five basketball tournament, no one would give a crap. The college basketball fan community would not care about that tournament. We don't watch the Maui Invitational. We're not going to watch that, right? Um, and, and I do wonder at, at, at some level. I mean, this is the what is this the third year in a row we're going to have the same four? Oh, I guess Oklahoma's not in it this year, and who's in it? I, I don't know. No, right? But other than Oklahoma, I mean, these other four teams that are in the playoff this year. You basically those five teams out. have been in the playoff. Oklahoma and Georgia, maybe those 
four of those six teams have been in the playoff every year for the last four years. Like what, what is the purpose of this thing? Like, yeah, I, if I could and, step and back I, for a second TD, yeah. cause I take umbrage. I watched the Maui invitational this year okay, yeah. <laughs> home, and it was, you know, from, whatever it was Carolina somewhere and Texas won it. So let's, there you go. Okay. Let's make so, sure that we no, no, get that right. in there. I guess my long-term question is, I wonder if there isn't, and the hard part in this is the money that Rob brought up, but I wonder if there isn't more leverage from the field, whatever, however you define the field, um, than we realize sometimes, right? If it's just a six team sport, I mean, hell Michigan state went to a playoff game and, got shut out like six, five years ago. And they're basically a non starting. They're not a real entity. They don't have a chance any particular year because of who's in their conference. Right. I mean, I'm just picking them out of the air, but I mean, Arizona, does Arizona have a chance to go to the championship? I mean, I don't know. And I just wonder at some point, like, is this, this whole thing is what's the fun of it at some point? I mean, and well, I love college football more than anything. That's my favorite sport to watch because of the craziness. But, the, you know, the Pac-12, those six though, teams, I mean, the Pac-12 yeah. is like one recruiting scandal away from just being, from it being the G6. That is an also-ran conference right now. I, I think there is leverage, what you're saying, Todd, but I think it extends to the lower tiers of the P5. When we talk about teams that really aren't on that level but have the leverage, we're talking about, Wake Forest. You know, Wake Forest, Iowa, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. It's really about that. And I think the proof positive of that is the television deals. You know, it's if you look at the SEC deal, the Big Ten deal, the, the ACC, the fact they got their own networks, um, Texas having their own network, the money, the, the TV audience just gravitates towards those big, the big conferences. And so you need those conference games. That's why you need the Mississippi States and the Vanderbilts, you know, because you got to play games for everybody every week. And it falls off a cliff once you get out. The AAC has the next lucrative, next most lucrative deal, and it's fractions of what you get. So, I mean, even we talk about that Coastal Carolina BYU game. Oh yeah, people talk about numbers. I think it drew fewer than the JMU NDSU championship games. So, yeah, no, it, it was played at five o'clock on a thrown together ESPNU thing that happened on a Thursday, and the game played. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of reasons for but, it, right? But, but versus an eleven o'clock kickoff on a Saturday oh, sure, morning, sure. you know, I mean, like, so it, I'm just saying, like, it, it's comparable levels. And while people like us might say, "Yeah, we want to do it," the average Joe football fan is going to watch Alabama play Mississippi State every Saturday versus if you give them BYU Coastal. Yeah, I think the other thing too here is like, you know, I don't, I don't want to overplay this, but like, you know. You know, we we all know basketball and football are very different sports. I mean, you yeah. know, you talk about football. I mean, every yep. kid that's in Texas wants to go to Texas, and they get eighty five of them. And the second string team probably beat every other team in Texas most years. Yeah. So they just have this. And whereas in basketball, like you know, you get the big schools that are that are are good. Kentucky's, you know, the places North Carolina's, Dukes that are good every year. But then, you know, Davidson makes a run because they've got. Curry or, you know, when I was in Miami of Ohio, Wally Zerbiak, you know, like you just have these kids that can get hot and make a run. And it's in, in that tournament, it's not always the best team that wins that game. And that, that makes it fun. You know, and, and if you look at like the NBA equivalent, they play series, you know, they play five games, seven game series, the NFL, you know, the best team is always going to win. And, you know, unless it's the Giants playing the Patriots, in which case the Giants are going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a hard thing. And I don't know how to define this because it seems to me like there's 10 teams. I forgot about like LSU 
But it seems like there's 10 teams who are recruiting and spending at an entirely different level than the rest of the country. Like, you know, and you can mix them up in three or four different conferences. But like in basket, you're right, Rich, that in basketball, like one or two players can turn everything around. Right. I mean, what we're seeing with the HBCU movement right now could be awesome for the tournament in three years. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, if Howard or South Carolina State or Jackson State is a a legit threat to go the Elite Eight, that is would be great. And I feel like college basketball fans would embrace that. And in the one and done era, it's even more possible. Yes. Because nobody I mean, it's you really get that one recruit. It's, It's one year and it might not be sustainable. Yeah, you could have small schools pop up and make deep runs. I think it'll yeah. be more common. Well, that's what you know. I always sort of thought that you know it hasn't it hasn't worked out this way. But I always thought, um, what's his name at Harvard? He was um, Amaker. Yeah, Amaker. Like I just thought that like you know he'd get a couple kids that you know were were good, not great, but they'd stick around and he would make a run and 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 be good. And and it just hasn't happened that way. I mean, here at Penn. You know, the, the Penn kids beat the Villanova kids a couple years ago. You know, I mean, like these things happen. They play together as a team. And when you run into these teams that that have the one guy who's, you know, been the AAU star forever, they they can get beat if you've got a good team. But but you need, need kids to stick around. Maybe the HBCU guys are guys that will stick around for two or three years because they know they're not going, you know, pro or they're not going one and done. Wasn't one of the big Duke one and dones from the last three years? It came. Harvard was one of his final schools. It, it wasn't Zion, but it was. I want it's R.J. Barrett. One of the guys that I think that sounds right. R.J. Barrett seems to ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that stuff's going to happen, and and you're right. It's just the difference in only needing you get one or two generational talents. I mean, it's like you know. I mean, we all know that Bayheim paid Carmelo everything he wanted <laughs> to get his one his one title. I was, again, I was on the Texas, the Texas side of those games in, in, I think it was in New Orleans that year. And Carmelo just, I still don't understand it. He looks like the slowest human being, but he beat every Texas guy off the dribble. <laughs> he was, I mean, he's, he's still solid now. Um, I mean, he's had a little bit of a revitalization in the NBA and embraced his role, but his freshman year, his one year at Syracuse was unreal. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up our, our college football ranting here. Uh, Rob, the only uh, bomb I'll throw in this is I, I, I'd be really surprised if Jamie, this is what I would say right now, sitting here at the end of December of the COVID year, I would be really surprised if JMU is playing CAA football in 2022. I'm not going to say anything about next year, but just on a, and maybe it's not, maybe something comes to the CAA versus the, them leaving the, you know, I don't know. But it just seems to me that the, the schools in their position, I don't know. I mean, this we've seen it this year with this flow nonsense and JMU flipping out about it. Like, because it then it just it keeps trickling down. But who knows? We'll see. No, there's um, gonna be there's gonna be a normalization, and I think people are going to seek peer institutions, whatever that means to them. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. And then Rob, we have great overtime tonight. You're going to take us through this. And Rich is going to be our best guest here on this. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to point out, we're at like 40 minutes. This was the one time we didn't say, let's keep it a tight 20. So we, we made <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we no, no, no. I feel like we, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Um, well, we did this a few weeks ago. I don't For something, we just did like overrated, underrated topics. So I just came up with a list. I used a bunch of really great Twitter suggestions from, from some of our listeners. And then I just added a couple. This is not 
rocket science. I'm going to throw out a topic and then I want to hear if you guys think it's overrated, underrated, or whatever other category you can play something in. So mm-hmm. we will just start. And I'm not going to attribute them this week. Sorry, we did that last week. That was terrific. But like I said, we're already at 40 minutes. Let's try to keep this moving. Um, so the first one, this was a reader suggestion. Um, fancy ornaments for the tree, overrated or underrated? And Todd, you, you can start first. Overrated. Overrated. I don't need those. I don't need the fancy ones. I, so, I go underrated only because my wife Jen drops one every year and it, it's hilarious. Oh. It's like she cannot not drop one. So it's great. They're underrated. Perfect. <laughs> I go a little underrated in small doses. I don't want an entire tree of them, but I do think it is nice to mix in and have a couple, I don't want to say family heirlooms. It's not like I'm hanging, hanging a Rolex on the tree, but it is nice to have like a, a really well-made ornament that you can pass down. I think that's cool. Okay. Other direction, homemade or kind of trashy ornaments. Um, Rich, you got this one. I, I I would go properly rated on this one because I I feel like everyone loves like I mean I have a like my hand that we made in pottery in 1979. I yeah. put it on the tree every year. You know, I made one for my dog. I, it's just like it's the stupid thing that's always there. It, my siblings get a kick out of it. I think people love them. You know, yeah. I, I I wouldn't say over or under just just perfectly rated i think yeah that's probably about right the ones with the etching the like weird name etched on the back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, i don't I think you can the... go over or under i think if over you're being i love them but that's properly. Yeah. yeah and if you say under you're a grinch because they're typically yeah, yeah. you made as a child and you've got no soul if you can't see any any joy in that okay um christmas music i, I feel like this one is more controversial than it should be but... I'm having trouble with Christmas music this year. So <laughs> I normally am fine with like seeking it out, but it's worn me out this year. It's been too long. I started too early. It's just, I'm not particularly, I'm, I think I'm getting very Grinchish this year. Pandemic fatigue. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm going under, like on most years I'd be with you TD. Like I, I don't like it, but like yeah. you guys have pulled some great ones out at night and like, We've put on Pandora in the house and it's like on all the time. Obviously I'm here all the time. Like yeah. I kind of, I'm like all in, like I've got, yeah. I'm, I'm like this year. I'm like, yeah, let's sing Christmas carols. Like, I, I mean, Elvis is blue Christmas. Like I'm all in on all of it. All right. I love, right. It. I, I love it. I love it every year, probably more so this year. It's a good distraction. So I'm all in. I think it's, I think it's underrated. I think okay. people intentionally downplay it and the whole like why wouldn't you listen to it all year if it was any good because well, it's not christmas all year so so i, I like it I, i'm a big fan okay what is next on oh i think that's another controversial one eggnog eh, overrated that's all i gotta say yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go overrated but but with the caveat that like i love white russians which makes you think I'd be all in on eggnog, but for some reason, like I can't do it. A, a, a special drink for a holiday, love it. But like, we can do better than the eggnog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it's underrated. I don't think it's like, the greatest drink ever, but I think it's uh, it's unduly beaten up as being. It's a, like you said, it's a holiday drink. It's something you're going to drink every once in a while. I'm not going to have three of them in a night, <laughs> but you have one decorate in the tree. It's a nice nice way to get in the spirit. So I'm, I'm all in. I think it's underrated. Okay, this I thought this was a good one. Somebody said, like Christmas PJs or like matching PJs for family, husband, wife, whatever. Rich, you got this. 
Yeah. I, so uh, the last two years, the first two years I've done it, it's, it's sort of fun. It is like, um, for me, it was fun. We did it at Jen's, my wife's family's house the first year. And it's like, they all kind of look at us, but it's like, that's right. We're in the same outfit. What are you going to make of it? Like, it's Christmas. Like, are you really going to tell me that this is a dumb idea? I don't know. It's, I, I think it's kind of fun. Like, I think taking it too serious and like having like, I don't know, fancy PJs, like they just should just be PJs. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm the worst. <laughs> no, no. Anyways, I know part of this is I do not have children. So I will never be the host of Christmas morning, which then <laughs> requires me to either travel in the PJs or then change into the PJs in order to be in the group once I get there. And it, ah, just no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like this is a theme here where I'm basically going to say underrated for practically everything because I love Christmas. And this year I'm like, if something's going to make you happy, I'm all in, go for it. I've never done this. I don't have anything against it. Normally I, I'm, I can be a little bit shy in these sort of situations where I get a little, even like around the family, I get like embarrassed about things like this. I don't care. It's great. Go for it. We used, <laughs> we've done it with the kids. We used to get, my mom used to always get matching ones for the kids and their cousins. Mm-hmm. It makes for cool photos. And if it makes people happy, I'm all for it. So yeah, underrated. That is the right answer, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is another one. I, I think this is another one. It's probably like almost the same thing back to back, but ugly Christmas sweaters. No, I'm okay with this one. Oh, that surprises me. I mean, obviously it's overdone at this point, but I don't know why I'm okay with this one. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think they got to be organic. Like there's like, yeah, ugly Christmas sweaters that are like made to be ugly Christmas sweaters. Like I have some ridiculous sweaters that I'm sure Rob, you have the same ones (laughs) I did from high school. Like they're bad. They're really bad. But like, that's the that's the, the ugly Christmas sweater I think of. Like, here's the most ridiculous sweater that I bought at some point and thought was cool. Yeah, like, I I, I kind of like them, but I agree with now. It's like they're so intentional. Some of them, like this, we went on. We've got an annual pub crawl, which obviously didn't happen this year, but we've got a neighborhood pub crawl, and there's like an ugly sweater contest and whatever. Um, and people get them, and like they're so intentionally done to be outlandish that those ones kind of get on my nerves, like the ones that have pockets for your drinks and light up, but the ones that are just kind of like loud, I, I think are funny. It's, it's kind of almost played out at this point, but it, I like that. It's like an American thing and nobody else does it. So from that standpoint, I'm going to say a little underrated. They're fun. Nice. Okay. All right. Oh, this one is a little bit specific. We already did Christmas music, but I want to hear specifically Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Oh, yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I like think it. you're okay with it. We're not asking your approval. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's, it's not, oh, I mean, it's not underrated. It's obviously highly I, rated, right? I, I think, yeah, I think this one's got to be one of those ones where it's just properly rated, right? I mean, it's like, yes. it, it's a good song. She can sing. Yes. You know, kid, my kid dances to it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's... It, all around it's a tune i don't know it's good it's, it's right I, where it needs to be i think the 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 love actually thing which we're not going to talk about right it's like that went from overrated to now underrated because everyone hates the i don't know weird creepy stuff that's in it to 
not like I'm like, well, I kind of like the last 10 minutes when the kid sings, when the kids sing the song, right? Like, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, like, I don't know. Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, Rich, I'm right there with you. It's properly rated. She's an amazing talent, but it's her most memorable song. It has become kind of like the unofficial kickoff of the season when you when you hear it for the first time. Um, there's a they, if you try to say it's not a good song, you're kidding yourself. Even if you don't like pop music, get over it. She's amazing. That's a great song. It's fun, properly rated. So, um, Elf on the Shelf. I don't know. I'm not I, again. N- no parent here, so there's I got no you uncle perspective. Yeah, no, 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 I, no uncle perspective here. I don't. Know I am hoping that this like rains in some behavior next year. We didn't do it this year. We probably <laughs> should have. Um, I think anything I can get where I'm like, this guy is moving around and he's looking at it and he's reporting back. Like, I need all the help I can get. So I, I don't know if that makes it properly rated, underrated, or overrated. Like, I'm all in though. Whichever way you want to say it is. Yeah, Rich, uh, that, from a parent perspective, it is a giant pain in the ass. And you, you will have those moments where you wake up in the middle of the night, oh my gosh, I didn't move Eddie or whatever. Um, but as somebody who has pulled out the I'm telling Santa as early as like June, <laughs> it is, my, my kids are a little age past. Like they were making fun of the fact that Eddie hasn't moved in four days or something this week and called him a bum and blah, 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 blah. But certainly at your son's age, it was stressful. And it is a gimmick and it drives me crazy how this really dumb, simple idea blew up and somebody else made millions on it. But it's, it's become so hated that I think it's circled back around to be a little bit underrated. It's, it's fun for, for younger kids. Yeah. The, the, um, so to, to, to your kind of, to your point where it's, where it's taken off, like, so my son's daycare, they, they did us a week on Hanukkah and there's mensch on the bench. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's the same, it's the same idea. Like I, you know, it is like, it, I don't know. It just seems like I, I, I watch, I'm, I hope that I can do elaborate like moves with the elf on the shelf when we do it. I thought I saw a couple like elf on the shelf's got a quarantine for two weeks. So you don't have to move them for two weeks. Like, <laughs> I, you know, all of it, I, I can't wait. Like I just, you know, I'm probably overselling it to myself that it's going to be like the savior for us, but I, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in. No, I mean, it's fun. Like I will say, the people that go to extremes and have like the full Instagram brag elf on the shelf every day, not only are they overrated, those people are evil. That's just <laughs> setting the bar to it. That's ridiculous. To do one of those, you know, it's funny. If you have one of them where he's in a funny pose or the quarantine, one time, take the photo, get your likes, yeah, 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 whatever. But the people that do that every damn night, those people are evil. That's just, that's, that's, it's just it's showing up other parents and it's unnecessary. So, okay, moving on. This is one. This is you don't need to be a parent for this one. This is any red blooded American should have an opinion on this. Christmas inflatables for the front yard. Hmm. I, I so we have we don't have an inflatable yet, but we looked. We yeah, have a word. Yeah, yeah, we have a um, uh, kind of like a wire minion that sits oh. in our front yard. Yes. My neighborhood is like full of them. People for Halloween go all out. And so like, and I think just the nature of this year, like yeah. I'm all in. I think I really was like, these are kind of dumb. And then like Jen kind of got excited about them. And I was like, all right, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of like them. I don't, I don't know if that makes me on the, on the, 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 the outside, but I, I'm all in on them again. Yeah. Rob, I'm all in on all kinds of outdoor 
lighting and decor and decor. Um, this year in particular, I think Rich hit it on the head there. Halloween straight through to Christmas. Everyone's been like, we don't have squat else to do. So let's go out there and decorate the house. And it's great. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have thought about inflatables in particular, but I will say um, our next door neighbor's kids love their inflatables. Um, just in general, you can be like nice decorations, crappy decorations, whatever, put it all up. And I'm fine with the outdoor <laughs> outdoor lighting of all kinds. Um, yeah, I, I, I brought I'm, back the uh, Christmas balls with me. I, I, I did spend like a couple of hours making these things from Greensboro that are like um, chicken wire balls that you wrap strings of lights around and then oh, yeah. throw Jay- them with l- lacrosse yes. ball like way up in the tree and then pull them up and hang them. Yeah. yeah. And it's been so fun that the neighbors are all like, what? What the hell is that? That looks cool. Yeah, you know, like, James it and does I sound great. Years ago, and we leave them up all year. They provide yeah, lighting over no, the patio. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. Like you can do, yeah. we don't have, we had one colored one we lost, but we've just got like a plain one. And it's awesome. It's almost like a redneck chandelier over our yeah, patio. Yeah. Well, I, what the crazy thing is, so I really would, my goal this year was to like spread them to the neighbors and then that didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't get to that, but people are asking and I'm hoping. So in Greensboro, they're like famous for this. This is the coolest thing about the town um, where I used to live. And they, they have like thousands of them. And it honestly, it looks like Hogwarts. Yeah. Like you drive through there and it just looks, it's so cool. There's no floating lights. Yes. There's I like, I can't there. And there's no way to like explain it and have it do it justice. I've seen there's like a today show piece on it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't even, even just with like the great camera work, you can't kind of describe how it really looks in person. Yeah. I would, (laughs) I would love for that to spread to more places. So yeah, I'm I'm all in. I I think the inflatables and decorations in general are underrated. Um, You don't need to go all Chevy chase, but I do think it's really neat, particularly this year. We actually got an inflatable this year. The boys, I planted the seed like, Oh, maybe mom will let you. I just wanted to do it. And I knew I'd never get away with it in normal year. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And and even Jess was like, yeah, whatever. So I went out and I, we've got a nine foot snowman, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of funny. Like we did it because this is such a lousy year; the the boys aren't around their friends, and it's just weird. so it's like fun. What has been really cool and it happened again today? Ours in our front yard, and you see people walk by our house all the time. We're on like a, a busy street. Yep. Every single day, little kids stop on walks with their parents kids in strollers, toddlers, and they just stop and they just stare at the thing and smile. <laughs> nice. And it's so cool. Like it, I just did it to cheer up my own kids, but even the boys get a kick out of it. They're like, oh, look, there's a little kid. Oh, it's, like, it's so cool <laughs> just to see how happy dumb decorations make people. So I'm, I'm all in. Okay. This is one we, we kind of touched on. It's not on the list. I'm, I'm kind of cheating here, but Christmas traditions and in particular, trying to maintain traditions, Christmas traditions in this year of COVID, overrated or underrated? Mm. Rich, yeah, I'm I'm underrated on this one. I mean, I think people got to go all in on on whatever stupid thing your family did is is to is to do it. Like, I you know my my parents something they started, which was I'll, I'll wrap this into to JMU a little bit is uh, when they were first married, they they got tired of just giving each other gifts to Paul from Eileen and to Eileen from Paul. So they made up names for themselves. They're Willie and Bertha. And this <laughs> kind of, this is kind of, well, yeah, you guys know my dad, like just the fact that my mom calls him Willie and my mom, dad calls my mom Bertha is great. But um, 
I, they, they send presents or they give us presents from all sorts of people. So like my JV basketball to- coach who I did not get along with, um, <laughs> gives me a present every year. Um, he, actually he went to JMU. Um, <laughs> yeah. He also asked me to try out for the team when I wasn't going to in high school and then cut my ass. So (laughs) yeah. So, and then my parents, you know, they're like, you know, they, I get one from an uncomfortable girlfriend in high school. You know, the first time I brought Jen home, I got one from, you know, my freshman year high school girlfriend. Um, But then I, I almost every year get a present from lefty Drizel and or Dr. Carrier Um, (laughs) for all sorts of reasons is fun. But so, yeah, I'm all in and, 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 you know, we try, I, I try to come up with funny, goofy names for, for Jen. Um, that means something again, like my sister-in-law gets one for my parents from the one business professor, JMU that, that gave her a B, uh, her mm-hmm. senior year. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's hilarious. And so, yeah, I'm all in on everybody do, do whatever you have to do to, to keep those things going. I like sentimental rich. Uh, I- <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have any great ones, Rob. I was thinking my my nephew has taken over the cookie making with my mom, and then they deliver them. And I will say, I I'm I've been eating them more this year than like most any year because that it is like I'm not really going to see my mom, you know. So yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, no, that you need to give me your address because I need to drop them off tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I, I'm all for it. I'm with you, Rich. Try to do what you can to have some normalcy, as you guys know. We have the Christmas and craft beer exchange every year for Christmas. It's it's pretty fun. We look forward to it. The kids look forward to it. We can't do it. So we spent all day yesterday baking cookies. And then today we dropped them off the neighborhood friends. And tomorrow I'm driving around Northern Virginia, dropping them off at other people's houses. So yeah, absolutely. This year more than ever, I think it's great. It's underrated. Do what you can and try to make the best of things. So And maybe even come with new traditions. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It could come yeah. like, so at, at Thanksgiving, we, we, you know, we didn't do a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. We mm-hmm. had uh, ordered out from a local Italian place because we just thought, <laughs> let's do something so crazy because yeah. it's yeah. the mark of the year. And I think Christmas is another great time. Just do something totally goofy and and, and mark the year in a, in, a, in a way that that 20 years from now, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's when Rob drove cookies to Philadelphia <laughs> to give them to Rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had said Northern Virginia. I'm not going to that. Okay. Uh, the next, we'll do another music one. The Beach Boys Christmas album, overrated or underrated? This is all you guys. No, yeah. I'm uh, underrated. I mean, I, I, the Beach Boys are great. I mean, there's like I think some surprisingly good songs on there. I think anything Brian Wilson does is is underrated, even after he's gotten like all of the. The, the praise that he has, I really just think that like, if you listen back to like little St. Nick and stuff, like it's, those are great songs you talk about songs you would listen to in the middle of the summer. Like little St. Nick is one that you can, it's, you know, it's about a car. I don't know. It's just like, I think he's, he's, he's great in that way. And I think the, um, the beach boys are, are underrated, even though they get a lot of credit. Um, and then, you know, they do have the, the, you know, the, the, the sort of the classics on there and, the Beach Boys are just great. Their voices are great. They worked well together in 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 recording stuff, and and so I think that this is underrated. Oh, r- ridiculously underrated! Like it, it's good music, but everybody's like, "Oh, those are good Christmas songs." It's just a good album. It's amazing. I mean, if you like the Beach Boys, I don't know. It's for the, the easy layup here would be called the Pet Sounds of Christmas albums. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that is. It's like I think you should 
especially if you like Christmas music, you have to listen to this one. You and then, you've got the classics. Yeah. You've got thing. It, it's just Brian Wilson's whole his producing the arrangements. It's amazing. It, it's just it's kind of an impeccable album. And then the fact that it's Christmas music, it just it rises to the top. That and the Phil Spector because um deserve every bit of praise anybody's ever given both yeah yeah and i you know again i think it's just one of those things it's like even if you don't really like christmas music or you don't like the the beach boys like you have to listen to it if you like music it's like watching citizen kane it's like some people love it some people don't but you have to watch it to get it and i think the beach boys are one of those bands you have to listen to because it is just amazing what they pulled off with eight tracks yeah, I don't know. It's just like amazing. It's all amazing. So yeah, yeah that, underrated. That, that, underrated. That album. That album's amazing. It's my favorite Christmas album. But okay, I'm losing track. I'm jumping around here, which I probably should not have done. Um, no, you oh, got four here, more. Go up. Yeah. <laughs> here's a good one. Um, Advent calendars with stuff in them. You know, you got the ones with like I think they've got like whiskey or wine and chocolate. Um, somebody said they've got one like cheese or sausage. So Advent calendars. When you open up the little door each day, you get a little treat. Overrated or underrated? So I saw one that was craft beer, and it made me think we need an adult, you know, advent calendar. We again, I think next year is the year we're going to do one for our little guy. So yeah, again, I think it's kind of all I'm all in on this stuff. It's like, um, you if my kid's going to pull out a chocolate, I'm going to pull out a beer or a shot of whiskey or whatever. I, I think I think it's a fun idea. It's a, you know, I, I like trying new things, so I think it's a it's a way to get a variety of something, whatever it is. So I I like it. Yeah. I I like this one. I don't know how I feel about all the expansion of this into like every possible thing, but I grew up with like a homemade, like my mom sewed one that there were hard candies in. And it was my brother and I fought over who got what, you know, every day basically like, cause there was only one thing in each day. And, and it's also one of the only, I mean, not to get too, far afield here but it's it's also one of the only like sort of i don't know fun little goofy traditions that is somewhat traceable to the season itself yeah like right it's advent (laughs) you know like 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 there was i mean i did learn something as a kid or think about it in a different way you know i mean i don't know if you guys you guys catholic church growing up i don't know but methodist church you know your family goes and does like the lighting of the Wreath wreath. Yeah. yeah like and you like a couple years you have to be like horribly embarrassed and go up there and read stuff and yeah um yeah like the whole advent thing and the countdown and i love calendars in general so i guess i'm pretty cool with these i i, I didn't know there was like a huge expansion of them but i i, I could get into that i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah so we've got one that's just like 24 stockings or and you can the thing is every day you're supposed to stuff a little uh, message in there. So it'll be like, uh, and I really like that, you know, Jessica mm-hmm. does it. My wife does it because she's better at most things than I am, <laughs> um, but it'll be things like, you know, some days it's like, Hey, do something nice for your brother today. Or, you know, and then other times it'll be like in years past, it's been, you know, we're, we're going to the nutcracker or we surprise the kids with a trip to New York, but more often than not, it's just something really small, like, Hey, make cookies. And I really like that. I think these advent calendars with stuff in them are incredibly overrated. They sound good. <laughs> oh man. Okay. But all, well, like they sound good, but all the, all the food that's contained in them, it's it's like the baseball card bubble gum of food. Like it's just crappy uh. quality. I love the idea of rich. What you said of like, 
just having to open it up and maybe point to, hey, you know, day day five is a stout from your fridge or something like that. Yeah. But actually containing them in the calendar, I think is overrated. Those okay. chocolates are, I, I love chocolate, but chocolate that is shelf stable and sitting in some calendar and Trader Joe's <laughs> is not good chocolate. So, so I'm going to go throw over it. I love the idea. Yeah. I think the execution can be improved. I, I think it should be like you get, you get your calendar and then you pick up your fresh food in the refrigerated section or something <laughs> and put it in the fridge. So uh, idea good, execution, very overrated. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on after I just grinched this entire No, tradition. we got three, three to go. The NBA on Christmas. Rich, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, this one's just – I'm just in on this. I, I This is like one of those things for me, Thanksgiving, football. Um, it, 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 Yeah. Sit to open presents, kind of go through brunch or whatever you do. Game goes on. Maybe I watch it, maybe I don't, but it's on. Um, check in. I, I, I think it's, it's. I think it's probably right where it is. Um, I think maybe they push too much on like LeBron versus you know whoever. But but I, I'm in on this. This just seems like NBA games happen on Christmas. Period. Yes. Yeah, I love this, and I also love that. Uh, this is something that like I've kind of been obsessed with just as a like idiot fan forever. Um, but lately, I don't know the last like three, four or five years, I feel like other people in my family, like my brother and my dad are more like starting to move towards the NBA a little more than they ever have. And they're more aware of it. Like it was always just me in the, like in the extra room at my parents, like tuning this in later. And I'm, I've been excited the last couple of years that like everyone's okay with the game being on in the way that they are, like Rich said at Thanksgiving with NFL. So I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go a little bit underrated because I don't mm-hmm. think it's reached the level. Yeah. It, it's something we all kind of come to count on and everything, but it hasn't reached kind of that ubiquitous level where everybody just knows it's part of the background, like right. football and Thanksgiving is where we talk about, I think, Do you think your boys will be that way though, Rob. Well, no, that's like, what's neat is like, I think this is really cool, but it's always one of those things where I look forward to it like now, like a week out and then Christmas comes and I end up, you know, what I catch 10 minutes of a game, my dad and I escape and we go turn it on and that's that. And I just, I kind of forget or it gets lost in the moment. My kids, James cares about every sport, but Sam is more attentive to the NBA than anything else. Like, and he will actually tune in. Yeah. So I think it's a bigger deal. For them, and they are into that star power. I, I'm with you, Rich. I think they oversell LeBron a lot, but I tell you, as as a father of two young children, it, that's a draw. LeBron is a big, big deal. Like obviously, James diehard sportsman, but even Sam, more casual, they love LeBron. LeBron is like, I was telling Michael today, Todd, we were yeah. at, at DM. My kids do not like Giannis. I do not understand that. I cannot comprehend it. I don't know how anybody who enjoys the game of basketball cannot enjoy watching him play. But my kids are absolutely like, no way. LeBron's the best, and everything is judged from that from that viewpoint. And they view, I think, at some level, as Giannis kind of challenging the throne. Um, so I don't know. I don't even know what my point is, but I think it's a little <laughs> underrated because it is cool, but it is not yet the default Americana experience that football on Thanksgiving is. Well, and you're Knicks. I, Rich, what are, I don't remember your NBA. Are you Knicks or Wizards? Yeah, but I, I gave up the Knicks, Knicks uh, um, when they let uh, Porzingis go. Um, yeah. 
and I also was in Texas. I got to Texas basically when when uh, Tim Duncan showed up. So yeah, I yeah. saw a lot of the Spurs. So I was kind of all in on the Spurs. And now, uh, for probably obvious reasons, like I'm all in on the Sixers. It's like the one team I'll let myself root for in Philly is the uh-huh. Sixers. They're just like fun. Yeah. Um, I, I would change, of course, a lot of things about the team, but right. I, I, they're fun. We've gone to a few games, and, and I'm I'm all in on them. So now I'm all I'm, gotcha. I'm a Philly. Yeah. So you you get to see. I mean, Rob, you and I have not seen Christmas Day basketball in quite some time, no. like from our team, and that would be a big. Like if the Wizards were on Christmas, I would think that's a big deal. <laughs> you know, like I would be excited about that. And so, I guess yeah, it's just. Like, by virtue of the fact that we are Wizards fans, and I, I grew up yeah. as a little kid, I was a Lakers fan. And then probably like eighth grade around that, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in for the Bullets and then Wizards. But my impression is that, and this could just be my own weird thing because of Wizards and they've been largely irrelevant. A lot of NBA fans are just kind of NBA fans versus being loyal to any one particular team. And that's through the whole way that Stern Market did around stars and the LeBron thing we were talking about. But I don't know. It's just, it's very different. Like I, I know there are diehard, diehard Celtics fans and Laker fans and whatever Mavs fans, but I feel like a lot of NBA fans just like watching basketball, mm-hmm. which yeah. makes the whole Christmas day thing uh, a little more. It just, it's, it's just different from, no, from I think that's right, Rob. Cause I, you know, I think about my, my dad and I, you know, um, and my brother, we would watch any basketball game. Yeah, you know, you know, Knicks were like, you know, as a kid, you know, Bernard King and and then Ewing, of course, and all those teams and Starks. Like, I was always in on the Knicks, but like, whatever game was on was on. You know, we just watched mm-hmm. it. You know, and and my dad knew the game, and so we just it didn't matter who was playing. We watched it, and so that carried over for me. But yeah, I think I, I'm in with what you're saying about the NBA. Like, you know, Thanksgiving football, you'll get the casual fan to watch the lions or, you know, um, you're not getting them to watch the trailblazers versus the, the bucks, even, even though Giannis, your kids are crazy. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. The man takes one dribble and, and dunks from half court. Half, like, no, my kids, my kids are insane. They don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. So moving on from, from NBA, the obvious segue is into Rudolph the TV special. Oh, massively underrated will always be massively underrated I'm pr- now, now i'm getting anti-grinch i'm getting, getting happy <laughs> that's again. good, that's good. I, I love this special and i keep i have to say we just watched this special the other night and there are things i forget like or that i didn't realize i, I don't know there there's some stuff in there that is really good and really modern like <laughs> like i just i don't know i i i love that and and the whole idea it, it's also nice I'm sure you guys are going to hit the same thing, but the, I, I don't remember what that's called. The stop animation, what stop is it? Motion. Stop motion animation. I mean, you remit, uh, a, you appreciate how difficult that was to make and B, but there's something about like, there's space in there. There's like time to think like, it's not just coming at you screaming and yelling. Like it's not a Marvel movie, you know, like, I, it's just so rare to see that now. I, I love it. So, anyways, I love it. I, I love the dentist. So, yeah. I, I so I you almost convinced me that I was I was wrong, but I'm still going to give what my, my my gut mm-hmm. was. So all that I'm going to watch it again, TV, because this I like the space. But I'm kind of all in on Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. I know I'm like one of those oh, like yeah. one <laughs> no, of those kids, too. but like I'm a Muppet guy. Like I remember the Muppet Show as a kid. Like we watched Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's, that's what we did. So I, I 
I would say it's overrated because it's so easy to watch Rudolph and harder to find uh, Emmett Otter. Yeah. But, um, but no, I think you're right, TD. I think that's a, a great perspective. I'm, I'm going to watch it just to find that space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I actually watched it start to finish for the first time in years this year. And I agree with what you're saying, Todd. It is a little bit it is deeper, the right word that I'm looking for. Like it, it it's a better story than you'd think. Like the dentist is definitely coming out and the whole thing is like, like there's definitely stuff going on there with the, I, oh, I didn't catch toy. that. I just, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. So, so my, but Santa is, is a jerk in the whole well, thing. Like, my gut would say a little bit overrated because I didn't particularly like the story as a kid. Like I actually, I'm a, I was a, maybe I was a bit of a mess as a kid, but like, I didn't like Frosty. I thought it was too sad. And I thought Rudolph, it was just like a story about people being mean to this kid. Like, oh, I just yeah, think yeah. it's a little bit weird. Oh, it's, like, rough. They're rough. it's rough. So like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's a little bit overrated. Like we gloss over some of the not so nice aspects of, you know, Santa being kind of a jerk and the, the people just, the other reindeers just being downright jerks. You know, I guess it's all a parable about, racism and treating people differently. And I appreciate that more now than I did as a child, but it just kind of struck me as like a bit of a bummer as a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, Charlie but Brown, my, you can, my I guess wife you can... loves it. My wife, it's like her favorite. She thinks it's terrific. I well, do I love Yukon Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius. I think it's the greatest. <laughs> I just yelled bumble, bumble bounce the other day. Yeah, some yeah. Things. yeah. All right. No, it is good. And I'm right there with you on kind of the artistic merits and the fact that it goes beyond the, the kind of cliches, but every now and again, I could go for a little cliched hallmark. Let's just have everybody be happy type movie. I guess maybe it's just like kids are mean, right? Yeah, no, they are. They <laughs> and, are. And that is actually more like probably honest than a lot of the, you know, carefully curated things we have now. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I, it, I will throw in something here that Rob, you probably already know about TD. I, I, I'd be surprised, but we found on, on Disney plus uh, a show that there's a couple of them called prep and landing. And it's about two elves, like elves that um, prepare houses for, for Santa to land on the roof and come down the chimney. And they're like, they're 30 minutes. And like, they're actually pretty good. Like they get through like a meaningful story pretty quickly. And for a three-year-old, he can digest it. And I think learn something. And that's like, I, they're a few years old, but like, mm -hmm. I think if you got a few minutes, like yeah. watch a couple of them, like they're actually pretty, pretty funny. And they have some of the things you're talking about, like these nuances where if you really wanted to, you could read something into, into it. Yeah, I don't know. They're good. I, I I just I prefer the Grinch or the Charlie Brown when it comes to the classic. Yeah, Christmas yeah. Charlie Brown is tough to tough to beat. Oh, and when you talk about another great album that oh you know, that, that that's an all time classic as well, the Vince Giraldi. Yes. Okay. All right. So okay, here's one, and then I've got an extra one that I just thought of, but we'll end with the one on the list: Christmas Carolers, overrated or underrated? Okay, I'm going to be a surprise here for me underrated <laughs> it is it is the most awkward thing it's kind of awful but this is a family sentimental thing for me we moved when i was in sixth grade from like well, we moved from like lake braddock the neighborhood lake braddock mm -hmm. like where where there were like you know forty thousand houses in the hoa you know like and there were carolers like every night in december 
and we moved to i think you guys have both know where my parents live now yeah um little less but there are no other houses there's nobody there and we stopped having carolers and my mom and a couple of the other mothers in middle school um i guess this would be a tradition thing rich a couple of the other mothers that lived far away from the middle school in boundary terms came up with this plan to like force us like it basically they made all the kids always come over to one of these three kids houses that was super far away from like most of the kids. And part of the deal at Christmas time was we had to sing carols and it was awful, but it was also kind of funny. Like, and, and, and now it just, it's a good memory. So I don't know. It doesn't happen anymore. Like we live in a neighborhood now. And I mean, this year, obviously there's no caroling, I guess, but I feel like I don't see it much anymore. Rob, you might see it where you live i don't know about where rich is but it doesn't happen anymore <laughs> yeah i so i'm gonna so a friend of mine from jmu i met freshman year he lived on in in my um suite um pete has he i think he listens to the podcast at times he's gonna laugh at this but so he's been having a caroling party at his house and kind of lives out in chantilly and he's lived there since we graduated um for since we graduated so it's like 25 years or whatever it is and he's invited me every year. And there's a group of JMU guys that go. And every year I come up with an excuse not to go. And it's it's kind of a running joke not to go. Like, I mean, some years it was like legit, like, you know, uh, nephews getting baptized and stuff. Or like, I'm out with my folks or whatever. Um, and then like last year he was like, I'm excited for, or a couple years ago, he was like, I'm excited for you to come. I'm like, P, I have to tell you, like my excuse this year is I moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> and so he sort of laughed about it and a couple years you know obviously he's still still getting invited this year like i my excuse had to finally be down to pete i can't sing i know i play music but i can't sing <laughs> so he was recording everybody over zoom and then like he does it for his choir church he puts it all together and so he did this for his caroling thing and the video he made is really cool and it makes me wish that i had tried but my excuse this year was like I've been avoiding it because I can't really sing. Now you finally had no excuse because there's no, yeah, it's all virtual. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, I'm with you guys. This is massively underrated. I think yeah. it's so cool. Like I can't sing at all. And I, I'm no. so it's not for, like, I'm not going like, I won't sing in the car by myself. Like, <laughs> I, I am, I'm horrified by the sound of my own voice. I've never listened to a single podcast, you know, like it's just, there's nothing. It, it's awful to me. I don't want to do it. But we've got people every year that come around in my neighborhood and it really, it's like a Norman Rockwell type experience. It's just, it's awesome. It's so cool. It's people walking out, you know, they're all, they even, it seems to be like they always choose the cold night and they're all bundled up and they've got their song sheets and it's so cool. Like you hear them and they literally just stop in front of every house and start singing you songs. And it's just like such a cool selfless act. I, I yeah. love it. And, and, and you've got a great like front porch for it too. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. Like, there. It, it's awesome. Or last year we were in Quebec. Um, we flew up there the day after Christmas and we were just walking around that night and we turned the corner and there's a huge crowd of people and there were just carolers there. And it's just, it just seems like such a cool altruistic thing where people who, who like to sing and can sing are just doing something because they enjoy it and it makes people happy. And it's just, I don't know. It's, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. And it's just, I wish I could sing in moments like that, but I don't even go to like the jealous thing. I just go, wow, this is neat. And I really appreciate and free entertainment. And then I close the door and go back to watching Netflix. But. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's, that's it. But I've got one final one. And this one I just thought of and I didn't tell you guys. So I apologize if it doesn't work. But mistletoe, overrated or underrated? Well, in COVID, I guess it's got to be massively overrated, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, so, so that's kind of underrated when you're in like ninth grade. It's pretty underrated. But <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm going with like, you know, the, 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 the parent, like I never thought twice about it, but like yeah. Jen puts them up. My kid, like will, somebody will walk under it and he'll be like, you got to give me a kiss. You know, like it's really sweet. So like, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those, again, it, this year feels different to me. I think about it, but it's like, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I don't know if, I guess I would say underrated just cause it's like, I, I probably underappreciated it for sure. Um, just, just a goofy, it's a fun thing. I don't know. Oh, I, I will say in all other situations, other than the one you just described, it's incredibly yeah. overrated and it's yeah. a me too thing waiting yeah the more i thought about it the more I was it's like, just yeah. it's creep show it's creep show yeah as a little kid i always thought it was like i always viewed it as like this romantic thing of like i'm gonna grow up and i'm gonna meet a party and i'm gonna have yes. and yes. meet my yes. wife yes. and then the bells will chime but and it just it seems to me like an absolute disaster for anything other than <laughs> like hey here's a cute kid and mommy give me a kiss that is heartwarming and amazing everything else is me too waiting to happen and uh, uh, just grossly, grossly overrated. Yeah. And you also yeah. need to deal with the, also the worst part about it is like the Todd Packers of the world who will be like, Oh, look at my, you know, mistletoe belt buckle. And you you should be allowed to counter that with like, you, you should be like one free punch to the, to the nose. Yeah. You have to try to make that joke every year. Like it's so funny. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, good perspective i hadn't i hadn't thought about it, but yeah I, I mean again i would say i never thought i never thought about it which but yeah all the stuff you're you're saying makes sense yeah i don't remember it being I, i'm like rob i remember, I remember really like thinking thing. about the idea of it because of seeing it on tv or in a song but i don't remember it actually being a thing like i remember it being a know. thing about as much as quicksand was a thing yeah yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> right oh, exactly really like, worried about quicksand my whole life and i also really thought i was gonna grow up and like have this really awesome movie experience. <laughs> like I thought at all Christmas parties where you just walk around and there's mistletoe and beautiful women come up to you and boom, that's how you get married. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's good Catholic upbringing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I also really would lie awake at night worrying about drowning in quicksand. So it shows you where I was coming from. <laughs> but that's all I got, unless you guys have any more. Oh, that's so I have, I have one. I have one only because I realize I kind of want to share um, something because I, I think it's 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 good um, and it's one of those things where um, I'll preface it was I'm proud of what you guys have done over the last few years, um, just with with the podcast and everything. I, I think it's 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 just cool and I I, I always enjoy telling people um, that that brings up Jamie that like hey you know the this podcast th- those are my guys. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of fun. So I said that, but the other thing is, you know, again, kind of a JMU connection, like, you know, your parents tell you how to be a certain way to people and, and treat them nice. And, um, my dad treated, a you know, a 10 year old kid when he was playing basketball on the playground in Parkchester in the Bronx in New York city, well enough that 60 years down the road, he reached out to, to, to get in touch with my dad to just say thanks that that was cool. And it turned out to be coach O's dad. 
which is just the weirdest thing to me. And I, you know, it's just one of those cool things that I'm proud of my dad. And it's like all the lessons he taught me, like, I, I think it's, um, he like meant it, you know? And I think you guys too, like you guys always think, encourage people to do what, what they're passionate about. And I think what you guys have done is the same thing. So cheers to, to, to you guys. Um, you know, it's cool. Well, cool. That's nice of you to say, but I, and I, you've also shared that story before. And I think it's awesome for a number of reasons. One, cause I know your dad and I know how yeah. much playing sports and everything growing up meant to him. And the fact that he was able to make that impression where six years later, somebody did it. But I also think it speaks in general to the role that sports plays in all of our lives and how you really can, like we talked earlier to bring it back to the whole nonsense about the playoff being all for money, but like sports is more than that. And you really do learn lessons. You, you develop lifelong friendships and it's really what's so cool and what's so pure about sports, not just from being a fan, but from being a participant, the fact that you can make impressions on people and teach lessons and demonstrate and, and kind of live your own values and have that be evident as you express yourself through something as simple as playing pickup hoops. So that, that's really cool. And I know you've shared that before. And I, that's one of my favorite stories that, that anyone have. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for saying that, Rich. It's really kind. And yeah, please. We, we love your dad. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I could watch a game with him right now. So yeah. yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, Merry Christmas, Rich. Thank you so much for, coming and doing this with us um, yeah nice blast tidy to... 20 minutes guys yeah, yeah that's right um, we're about to hit 125 <laughs> yeah hey it's the holidays hey people are working they, they can spend a little more time listening that's right yeah so love you guys um we'll talk i, I don't know we'll talk to each other soon I, I i probably have to send something out about the spring football season so we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll talk at some point <laughs> yeah, all right merry christmas guys merry christmas, christmas. guys right, good dukes Here comes the jack.